What is going on, everyone? And welcome to episode 168 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of Wiley Scale Modeling. So, um, just a disclaimer, we're doing this upstairs today in the kitchen because um, I got the kids solo tonight, so I'm trying to balance both. So you might hear a kid pop in, but a lot of you guys don't mind that anyways, as for a little humor. But we have Doug Fiscali on today. So welcome, Doug. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're glad to have you on again. I don't know how long <laughs> it's been since we've had you on. It's been a little while. I think it was last... What? It was in the summer. summer. It was over the summer, summer. yeah. 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 Uh, I think we were talking about about the Atlas Gorge, and then that was, uh, that's the last we had heard from you. Well, you didn't have any time, probably, since then, because of the Atlas Gorge, um, I guess. Yeah, it took a while. (laughs) Oh, wow. And it's quite a kit. A lot of people that are already starting on it um, that I'm talking to uh, are, are actually loving it, so... Um, it's it's great. Um, so how you been? Pretty good. Good, good. Yeah, just keeping busy, trying to trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> now um, we're gonna tonight's focus is gonna be because um, we talked about this right before the show is that we we always run out of time and we want to talk about techniques and the, the nitty gritty of the modeling part and we never get to it or we do and we only have a brief amount of time left. Tonight we want to dedicate yeah. that show to that. And uh, we're going to try and steer clear of all the history of, you know, Foscale models and, and Doug's history and, and everything else. So we, we, it might touch in and here and there. Um, but the main thing is we want to we have a good time tonight just talking about the fun and the techniques and things that we can uh, – maybe our listeners can gain uh, some knowledge on. So um, – <clears throat> one of the uh oh before we get started with that though i do want to give you the opportunity tonight because i'm sure everybody out there is probably chomping at the bit to find out if there's anything new up Foscio model sleeves i'm chomping okay. at the bit <laughs> uh you want me to tell you now what's coming next or yeah yeah let's do it yeah. let's do it now <laughs> okay. um, i to put you on the spot about- every time you're on here you know that yeah, no, that's fine. That's that's cool. Uh, well, I, I, I won't say too much on this one particular kit, but it's another uh, barge. Um, I've done a we've done a little mini barge last year, uh, so this one's a little bit bigger with more stuff on it, and uh, it should be out probably the end of uh, middle middle of April. I'd say middle of April. Oh, but it's I a big, it's a bigger it's a bigger barge. It's bigger than anything we've done before. So wow. Um, yeah, is it, it is, is it an neat. auto is it an auto barge or is it a is it does it hold a rail car? I mean, what, what's what's different? Yeah, no, I'd rather not. Say, I'd rather not say for now. That's yeah, right. leave it. <laughs> keep it a secret. I did like the okay. one barge okay. that came out. Um, I think that was a summer kit of the month one that came out. It was uh, a, well, no, we did we did one in December for kit of the month. It was yeah, just that, a little utility barge. Yeah, that that yeah. that was a neat little kit. I didn't build it yet. It was a in December, Brett. That's 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 summer. Well, you know what? Christmas Day was like almost seventy, so it felt like summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a break, Deb. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do like the barges, and I like the unique little um, boats. So I can't wait to see what this one's going to be. Yeah, 
And then other than that, I've got, um, you know, we have a couple of kits that are uh, beginner kits. Uh, they're called Foundation, Ser- Foundation Series, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got, we're adding a few more to that. So there'll be some, some more, uh, just a little small collection of simple kits for beginners. Um, I, think that's, I think that's really well, well needed right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no limit to how much you can practice. So um, doing it on the small kits is always a good idea. And, well, and for those for those more experienced modelers, those little small, those little small beginner kits, you add them onto a regular kit as an addition. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can do a lot of kit bashing with little things like that. So yeah, I mean, you know, Jason Jensen's a perfect example of giving him. You know, if he takes three small <laughs> basic kits, you don't even recognize them by the time he's done, and he's got them all oh, yeah. stacked on top of each other on a on a pier or something. And so there's it's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, There's he's no limit. Something limit. Else. Yeah, he just recently did one. Uh, well, I don't know what that was. That was yeah, a couple a month ago or so with one of yours. And and I know oh, he did two two of the diners he he put together. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Diners, yeah. And I have yeah. I have uh, two or three of the kit of the months um, from the. <clears throat> they're not the diners or the boats, obviously, but they're like. The the most recent one we got, and uh, one or two of the other ones that I we got over the fall. Then I was sitting down last night looking about how I could mash them together. Yeah. And then yeah. we've uh, you you have a, a flat as well, don't you? Have a background flat? It's new. Uh, yeah, there's a new, there's a new background flat um, that uh, it's probably about six inches wide. So it just it's just to supplement our whole series of yeah. background kits. I think we have about ten now, and it's just. You know, if you've got fifty foot of wall space or backdrop, it takes forever to fill. So the more you got, to, <laughs> and the background you know. kit you were talking about is Nesbit plastics, right? Nesbit, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yes. That's cool. a pretty cool one. That'd that be a sizable cool. building if you bought if you bought two and doubled it too. Like, uh, yeah, you probably could do that. Like back yeah, to back for for us. Oh, you mean back to yeah. back? Like going yeah, for both all sides for us three hundred and sixty degree people. Are you guys? Is your layout an island? Is there no backdrop? There's no backdrop. It's an island. Three sixty. It's it's all one thing. We walk completely around it. Which I I have the um, I just got the Walther's kit, Dad. That hotel Uh that that you left down here. I got the paint for it. Um, was on my hand painting all Yeah, the Ashmore Hotel. I got the paint for it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on that one here soon. Oh, cool. But. So now, um, the I gorge, which you probably were pulling your hair out, getting done and out. Um, yeah, for sure. You don't start on the next one. Right? You, you're not starting the next one on that rate. We're not going to ask you anything about that because I'm sure. Oh, I you know, bet you he's. Uh, not, yeah, but I, I have started it. I mean, yeah, I was, <laughs> was going to say, I, I have a feeling he doesn't let much grass grow beneath his feet before he starts the next one. Yeah. I'm yeah, that. I mean, I really, it's, I can't afford to waste the time because it, it, especially the older I get, time seems to be slipping away faster and faster <laughs> every month. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, it, it's in the sketching phase, and I have some small mock-ups and models of what it should look like. And, you there know, you go. Um, I got to trying to get it done earlier this year. Cause last year was a little late, um, and it just every every time it's always a much bigger project. Than <laughs> project each so. time you go, each time because you're trying to increase it, right? You're trying. You you take it that much another step beyond, yeah, so it makes yeah, make it a little bigger, add more more parts, more more buildings or whatever, and it just 
you know, yeah. multiply that by 150 or 200 or whatever it is, and it's 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 months of work. So, <laughs> so and I'm sure when you're working, I'm sure when you're working, it gets to the point where you're like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I add that? Now, oh, yeah. oh no, look what I've done for somebody. myself. Yeah, I'm always trying to blame somebody else, but it was me. So, you know, <laughs> my idea. Who made this oh. damn thing? So. Yeah. I kind of wanted to, you know, my dad and I were talking with you earlier, and and, and we want to get into some some techniques, right? Yeah. So, and I'm sure my dad has a bunch of questions too. So I'm gonna let him lead off with it. But well, I thought I thought we'd do the questions from the readers first. Okay. So that way we're not we're not taking away from anything they have okay. with our questions, and then and then we'll go from there. All right, works for me. As you can it tell, in that. typical fashion, we don't have an agenda. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, let me pull up okay. the questions I've. Unless you want to do them this time, Dad, that'd be fun. Um, I can, I can do them. Yeah. Oh man, this up. is the first time so, ever. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm gonna screw this up, Doug, because he makes fun of me because I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll bumble this. But um, no, it's okay. <laughs> all right, let's uh, pull it up. But uh, let's see. Now, I guess is uh, with the things kind of loosening up. I'm I, there's some train shows and. Things like that that are starting up, I guess they're smaller. Um, you don't have any. You haven't been d- going to or doing any train shows, have you? Or I mean, no, no, we yeah, had nobody's been doing them, but you don't have no. anything in the in the near future. No, I mean the next thing that is scheduled would be Springfield of 2022. So yeah, okay, uh, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm considering doing some clinics here in my shop. I believe uh-huh. in the fall. Um, of course, it all depends on how things are going and how comfortable people feel doing that. So, yeah, so like, it's still too early to figure that out. Well, and what's nice about doing that is you, it's controllable on your end. Like you can, you're controlling who you let in and the size, and, right, right, and everything. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I, I do, I do miss going to the shows. So it's uh, as soon as the show, I, I do too. I, mean, I think yeah. there's one, and we're getting off track a little bit, but there's a the great. Train, Drake, what's that called? That the Great Scale Model Train Show or something? Yeah, that's the one in, uh, um, in Timonium. Timonium. Yeah, yeah, there's one yeah. in April, April 11th and 10th, 10th and 11th. Um, yeah. Some people, and, were, and it's a good sign that things are opening up a little bit. So, some of the guys were yeah. asking us if we were going to it. I know I personally can't attend. My wife and I have plans that that weekend already. Um, it kind of popped up after we had already made plans, so I can't wrangle out of that one. But as these sharp as these start popping up, I said sharp by accident. As these start popping up, we will um we will definitely be making uh, some trips here to a few of them. Well that was a nice that was a nice time killer why I pulled up this uh, all these questions. I know, I know. You were so. struggling. I had to drag you along here. <laughs> okay, well Doug this first question here is from Scott Perry. And he'd like to know um he goes, would like to ask Doug how he goes about selecting colors for the painting of structures and what paints he prefers to use. Okay. Um, white. I prefer, <laughs> I paint my buildings white too often. Um, and just because the times I've tried to stretch myself and go with different colors, I'm not too happy about it. So it's usually white with white trim or white with green trim or white with red trim. You know, and occasionally I'll, you know, do do a green building with white trim or, but most of the time, if you look at most of them, they seem to be white. And and 
as is the case in the real world. Most buildings yeah. are painted white, clapboard buildings, and um, for various reasons, most of, most of which in history was the white was the cheapest paint. So, um, you know, so I just kind of stick to that. But I'll, you know, sometimes like the, we were talking about the, uh, the Metzger building and the, the other one, the Wachter mm-hmm. building. It's, it's, it's kind of a yellow with red trim. So it's kind of a standout. Um, yeah. But you, you also can't have too many of those. Otherwise, it starts to look like the circus, you know. <laughs> so if they're new, neutral colors, you know, whites, light grays, light tans, right. they'll look more realistic, you know. Um, so, you know, like anything else, I would look at photographs of towns, like wide photographs of like an entire block, mm-hmm. and look at what, what, what's the predominant color, you know, especially if it's wood buildings. It's probably going to be white. Um, right. you know, unless it's, um, some unique little town like in Florida that's got all the pastel buildings or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> most of the time, in the keys, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. No, um, um the, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to tell you what kind of paint. Um, I just, I, I use acrylics from, from Michael's, you know, the, the little craft paints. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use the Vallejo paints. I use the, um, the ammo acrylics, which are great, because those colors, are, the, the, all the military colors, are kind of the kind of kind that I like that are neutral. You know, you've got all five shades of khaki and tan. You've got ten shades of gray and all the uniform colors, which are green and khaki. So, yeah, and there's there's stuff. a million of them out there. It, yeah, in those yeah. in those uh, military colors. Oh my word, I couldn't believe how many. It's for just about yeah. every army you could think of that ever existed. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can buy those cases of Vallejo. I think it's like 120 colors, those little tiny, t- you know, bottles. Mm-hmm. And if you buy one of the military sets, you, you can't go wrong with any of those colors. You know, if you, if you pick white as your wall color, yeah. just stick your hand in that box and pull out a trim color and it'll probably be fine. You know? So. Wow. Uh, yeah, That's a good true. idea. I, I looked at this at those sets and I thought about getting one of those myself. I just haven't yet. Um, yeah. But I didn't know they made a military one as well. So yeah, and then when, when you open it, you'll see that a lot of them are uniform colors. You know, like I said, yeah. the khakis and the greens and tans right. and stuff. And, and those are also at the same time great railroad colors. You know, or great model railroad colors. So sure, sure. The one yeah. they say, um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say one nice thing. No, I was going to say I, I get. The, go ahead. You go, Doug. You go, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I already forgot what I was saying. So oh, you go ahead. I was just going to say the one really cool thing about working with whites and grays, um, and I think yeah, I think we had talked about this previously on the on the show um, with you, is when you go to the craft store, you quickly realize how many different shades of white and gray there are like oh sure and the yeah. other cool thing is if you want a warmer or a cooler gray you can always add a little drop mm-hmm. of i've done it you add a drop of blue to it and um right you know or whatever you you can you can tint your grays to be a little bit different color um you know slightly different so when you're when you're talking about how you stand back at a city skyline an old you know an, or a town skyline um and you look at yeah the different colors they're not all the same white you know you got some really vibrant whites you have some whites that are like dingy and yellowed or or uh you know a brownish color 
just because of their age yeah. or the type of paint that they were using or the the material that's underneath the paint. So people, I think, would if they're not as um, used to working with a lot of whites and grays, might not realize that you're talking about a lot of different shades of the same color. Right, right. Yeah, we're right. going to talk about gray paints, and when we get around to all these, when these questions are done, <laughs> we'll get with this yeah. military model that I've been doing with the cobblestone. But um, okay. yeah, um, I'm sorry, yeah, I, I didn't I, I, interrupt. I, I, Go ahead. That's okay. I, I remember what I was going to say before. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the good thing about using, say, like a white a white building or a, or an off white building is that all the other details that you're going to put on it and in front of it, you know, windows, signs, trash cans, they're going to be colorful uh, enough. Um, so you don't need to go too crazy with the building itself. So the, the say, let's call the wall is more of like a canvas and you're kind of adding all the pieces to it and they'll stand out better if you want them to, uh, you know, um, like I'm this barge kit I told you I'm working on. Um, you know, it's a, it's a wood deck barge with lots of details on it. And, most of it is wood, so you've got the stained wood color. But then, you know, you put on a compressor, you know, a little metal casting or a compressor, and it's yellow. And that just stands out. And that's probably all the yellow you need in the whole kit. Same thing with the building. You know, you've got these small little areas of color that pop here and there, but it's very minimal. Again, you don't want it looking like a cartoon or a circus. Right. So right. Even, if the, even, if the, even if the compressor's yellow, it's going to be rusted and weathered and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, the wall is, the, the building should, you know, sort of just, they're kind of, they're really a backdrop in a way to all the details. So, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a game, you know, you got to play with it and see what looks right. And, uh, and, and just because you made a lot of white buildings doesn't mean that they all have to look alike because how you no, weather no. them or, you know, mm-hmm. you could have one heavily weathered one with paint peeling. I mean, each right. one's going to look a little different in shades of that white. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're going to add window shades behind the glass, and then those are going to be colored, maybe, or different colors. You know, if it's a yep. big building, and and the signage is going to change it. So it's just the, uh, you know, as long as everything is weathered evenly, mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't matter. I mean, you could use a bright, you know, you could use um, like a, a mint uh, pastel green for a building. You know, say it's a stucco building and it's a gas station. But if you weather it and put an ink wash over it and a rust and streak it up, and it's still going to look good, as long as it's you know it's not sitting there bright and shiny. Sure. Um, and any color works really. Well, let's do the that's, that's let's do the next question here before we. we before, well, for, that's sure, what sure. I am. Okay. Yeah. How how did uh, how did Doug learn all his killer techniques for modeling? This is from Greg Cassidy. You know that? Um, everywhere, from lots of people who were nice enough to share it. Um, some was from magazines and watching videos. Some was from building a bunch of George Celios kits or South River kits with great instructions. And you know, it's 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 information you get from wherever you can get it. And then once you, I think you get to a certain point where you're confident enough to try your own techniques and like you know. You know, if you know a certain way to paint a wall, but you want to say, oh, just try this and throw another wash on it. And so it's, it's from everywhere. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I could spend two hours telling you where, I, you know, I just I learned how to do a clapboard wall. But, 
Because <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you, you meet people along the way and you meet people sure. at the shows and you meet people online. And nope. there's always someone who's doing something different that you can add to your, your box of tricks. Yep. And either, either do the same thing or modify it, you know. Yeah, so, I, you um, can pick up from every anybody, all the other modelers <laughs> that are out there. Everybody that's on these, on our Facebook pages um, that are yeah. out there. I mean, there, there's so, there's so many modelers, and every time, you know, you know for a fact. I know you you're sometimes on Instagram, uh, checking things yeah. out. But but uh, if you go to Instagram, man, you there are so many ideas out there, so photographs mm-hmm. that'll give you you know. Not so much the technique, but view what they've done, and you're you know right. you can start putting these things two and two together, and uh, wow, it, it, it's just amazing. Or you can contact them and ask these people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean that's a great thing. Most most people are willing to share their stuff because they're excited to talk about it. So um, ask questions all the time, whoever yeah. you can, you know, wherever you can ask. Um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, anywhere. Um, and, and the other thing I will add, the other way to learn techniques is to make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mistakes yep. because it's the only way you're going to learn anything. Um, <laughs> you know, if you think you're going to buy a kit and do it for the first time and it's going to, you know, if you've never done it before, it's chances are, it's not going to be what you, you know, come out the way you want it. So that's right. perfectly fine. That It's not supposed to, um, yeah. you know, and I, I like, I love, I love looking back on my previous models over the months, even yeah. months and years and decades now, and, you know, to see how far I've come and, you know, if I've improved <laughs> or not on certain things. And uh, it's good to have your 10, a model from 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. And then you'll, you know, it's like when you, you know, you, you know someone forever and you don't realize they're getting older. Yeah. You see them every day. But if you put a model away and you haven't looked at it in 10 years and you're like, oh, wow, I have gotten, I have improved. So. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely we've noticed that on our layout. Yep. Yeah, by the time you work around, you'll get to the other side, and you're like, "Oh, we got to redo this. We could do it better." Yeah. You know. And you pluck it um, off. <laughs> you pluck it on the layout, and you put it up on the yeah. shelf, and you go, "Ah, we're gonna fill that with a different one." You know. <laughs> but yeah, you don't throw well, them out. You keep what... them because you never know yeah. if you can reuse right. it or it, yep. you know repaint it, and uh, you know that kind of thing. Fix it up, or maybe like you said, just something to reflect back on. It, because it was yeah. one of your earlier creations, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. already done that. How many models have we plucked off? The oh my gosh! Right? Off the uh, we thought it was awesome when we did it, and then you look, it's like three years later, and you're going, "Oh gosh!" No, yeah, it's <laughs> atrocious. Yeah, it's atrocious. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, nah, we. Uh, uh, you could even notice. Go ahead, sir. No, no, no. I'll go for it. No, I was. You can even notice online if you're following people on. Facebook or Instagram, or whatever, and if you followed them for a couple of years, you can even see someone else's modeling progress because you know you're, you're you're a little removed from it. Yep. Um, one example is you know you guys know Craig Broadman, right? yes? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I met him at the last expo, which was 2018 in Albany, mm-hmm. um, and he was just I think he was just starting out, and he just ran with it and. Every month and every year since his modeling has just gotten yep. far and away, just fantastic. It's fantastic. I mean, oh, I know. You know. And it's just from keeping at it and practicing and practicing. And I'm sure he's made mistakes along the way, and he's learned from every one of them. So, um, yeah, and he asked a lot of. Yeah. He's another one that asks a lot of questions. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. He, 
Exactly. And, and he learned from a lot of people, and and he's and he he's aware of that because he's he's often mentioned how uh, those people have helped him along. Uh, his he that particular expo, we were we mm-hmm. were I was up there, had the table set up, and we were doing the podcast thing, and and uh, he we had Ron Poimani down yep. there building a kit at the one end, and I had Dan Raymond building a, an automobile. Down yeah. at the other end of that table, and he sat there on a chair that uh, Craig did that entire show, uh, basically watching those two guys. That he wasted all of Saturday, pretty much just watching those guys. I don't know if it was Saturday yeah. or Sunday, but yeah, and that was like awesome that he did that. Now, in between him going to the clinics and whatnot, and yeah. then I know he sat in front of Jack over at uh, Bar Mills and watched him build for a while too. So. Um, yeah, it was. He was just that drawn into it, and look, look what, look what he's done. Oh my God, his modeling now is yeah. insane. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we watch. Uh, you know, even you talk about Jason Jensen. We were talking about earlier uh, with uh, how he kit bashes a couple of your models and he makes this really neat thing that doesn't resemble those kits at all. But right. you know, I've seen his improvement over the course of the last four years that is just, you know, it was always good. You know, he's got the art ability, but it has grown to another world now, you know? Right. Right. Just goes to show you, I mean, it just, you will always just get better and better and better. So the more you build, the more mistakes you make, you'll get there. So, right. Okay. Well, let's see what Jeff Fleischer um, he says, I have created water for a horizontal surface, like a pond, but I now need to create water flowing down the side of a mountain. Not necessarily a waterfall, but a water in a stream bed about two inches wide. How would you do this so all the, the material doesn't run down and collect at the bottom of the mountain? I would say the angle is at least 60, uh, 60 degrees to 75 degrees. Um, it sounds like a bunch of mini waterfalls, right? So yeah. uh, if he's got, say he's got five different levels and they're a quarter inch to a half inch apart, I would do the water for each of those horizontal surfaces first. And then I would make a mini waterfall at each one with, you know, the same way you'd make a larger waterfall with some acetate, uh, which I would hot glue in place and just get, get my, the curve of the waterfall or, and then just put some, you know, whatever material you're going to use, if it's going to be a Envirotex or Mod Podge, and make tiny little, you know, tiny little waterfalls, basically. Um, but if, if he's worrying about the water pouring down the vertical surface, yeah. you can do it flat first. You can take a sheet of acetate or even a piece of uh, shower curtain or clear vinyl shower curtain, brush on some resin, some, some clear Envirotex, so then you have a you have a water surface and then glue it in place at the top of your, your high, your high uh, surface, let that dry, bend it down to whatever shape you want of the, of the fall and glue that in place and then blend it even more with more Mod Podge, more Envirotex. And then, you know, uh, so it's just, it's a, it's a bunch of steps, but it's, right. it's yeah. I, I often thought about that too. I mean, I'm about to do that on our layout where we're going to um, – where we did the 
Rush Rock Falls. I took that Rush yeah. Rock Falls mill and I put that, I had the water on one side. I have a straight waterfall that's going to go off the side. It's going to be basically straight down. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, we're about ready to start that. And then the other side um, is going to have a creek. It kind of goes down and then to the harbor. And, uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I had that basic same question, uh, how I would do that. So that, that will definitely be a help. Now this will be a stream. It goes down through, uh, it yeah. trickles down through. It won't be huge, but I often wondered, I mean, how am I going to keep that Envirotex from running all the way down the hill? Do I have to build little steeps at different places and then just, mm. you know, block it off with something and then wait till it dries and then continue down? Is that how you would do that? Yeah, I mean, I would again. I would do each horizontal surface, and you're kind of damming it with tape or or something, anything, yeah, um, yeah. to keep it from spilling, or or even you know maybe it's rock, yeah, and then we'll put more Envirotex on it afterwards. But mm. uh, the, the other way you could do it, you know, for like Rust Rock Falls, uh, if you look in the instructions, uh, the technique I use, I I saw that uh, something that Dave and uh, John Addison did at the Suncoast Center, um, one of their layouts. And it's taking two nails, put two nails in a piece of wood, and there's a string called sulky thread, S-U-L-K-Y. And you basically make, you, you tie the string to the nail, wrap it around the other nail, and then you keep wrapping it until you have the width of the waterfall surface you want. Say it's two inches. So you've got this basically kind of like a, a web of this clear, fine string, and then you tie it off. And then you coat the whole thing with clear silicone gel. No. So basically, you're making a, a, a web for the, the gel to hold onto, and the string is thin enough that you really don't see it. And if you do see it, it kind of looks like water anyway. And then once it dries, you have this rubbery vinyl surface, but it's also textured like water. It's got ripples, and you know it's not smooth. Once it's, and when you cut it off the nails, and now you have this sheet material that you've made that looks like water. And then you could bend it to a curve or whatever you need. Huh. Yeah, and, and I read that direction and I used that. It's it's a great technique. I I, I did it on the one side with two waterfalls. Yeah, and it turned okay. out great. Yeah, so that's another way. What? So that's that's great. So um, now with with water, do you recommend using Envirotex most of the time or? Um, well, Envirotex for something with depth, if you want to see the bottom of your surface. Yeah. You know, if you're doing a, a creek or a river that's got rocks and debris in it, um, I would I would pour it. Uh, if you're doing a giant harbor, you know, that's five feet long and two feet deep, yeah. I would paint it, uh, you know, some deep blues or greens or whatever, and then just use Mod Podge. But it depends on what you want. So, um, right. you know, something bigger is going to take a lot of Envirotech. So, when the Mod Podge uh, yeah. is much cheaper. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but the, well, I mean, you don't want to be running through as much of the uh, Envirotex. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, and I did yeah. the Enviro, I did the Envirotex on that one side of that of uh, Rushrock Falls. Well, actually, both sides, and. Um, the look that you get on it is awesome. You know, it really, it's, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a really, and then if, before you add your ripples, I spent, I don't know, half a day debating whether I even want to put ripples on the top because it looks so 
cool being super smooth, but you just can't have it like classy smooth. Yeah, you know? I know. The one, one thin <laughs> coat of uh, Mod Podge makes it just a little bit more natural looking. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know if I want to ruin it and put that one there. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the cool thing about that, Doug, is it dries so hard that if you, because I screwed up the first batch of Mod Podge. Yeah, and if you screw it, if you screw the Mod Podge up, you know, it was too thick and gummy, and just and I colored it wrong, and uh, I tried to add color to the Mod Podge before it was complete. It was just one of those stupid things where I tried to rush it, you know, and mm-hmm. and I, now I'm thinking, oh my god, I ruined this whole thing, I ruined it, <laughs> and I'm in here at night, and I, I took a little, I took a little um, dental pick, and I picked at the Mod Podge just a little bit, and it peeled up off the surface. Of that, um, like brand new, it peeled off like skin, and it was like, Oh, this is great! It was like a mask, I pulled it right off, (laughs) and I was back to square one. I didn't have to worry about messing up, you know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I was so relieved that night. Oh my, I said, Am I gonna do anything until the next day or two, you know? But, uh, so you, so with that in mind, you can put that on, and if it doesn't, if you don't like it, it can be removed, so yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm uh, um, I'm the I'm the narrator. You're the question guy, that. man. Yeah, I'm the question guy. I'm failing my job already. <laughs> this is yeah. I'm... So, <laughs> all right, Matthew Hankins. Um, he says, please outline your material and techniques for painting and weathering verdigris copper. Thanks, Doug. Um... <laughs> Did I even say uh, that right? Uh, I think it's verdigris. Oh, verdigris. Yeah. Okay. Close enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty simple. Um, if you know, usually if you're doing flashing on a building, or uh, just you're doing a copper roof or a finial, say on the tower, and it's copper and you want that green patina, basically I just either I either buy a color that's already like a mint green, um, literally like just mint pastel green, uh, or take some white paint, take some something like Kelly green and just put a drop of it in the white. And you can make your own um, off off green pale green color, hmm. uh, but I think that that's that's one step. But the trick is then to, to kind of weather it because it still just looks like pastel green. So I take the AK um, dirt and dust deposits, which is you got you guys have used it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's sort of like a tan color. But it's not a paint. It's not a wash. But it just leaves behind like a residue mm-hmm. of tan. But it's got a you know a nice irregular mottled uh, look to it. So I just whatever I paint that pastel green, I brush on the the light and dust dirt deposits and thin it out with some mineral spirits and make it kind of blotchy so it's irregular. And that's that's it. Cool. Yeah. And it looks cool when you do those copper things. It looks really cool when when they when you turn them out like that. I read another yeah, yeah another one you did. A, a, a blog on that top copper thing on your blog site. Is that blog site still available off your main site? Uh, yeah, it should be. There should be a link on the bottom of the website or at the top okay. in the the about link. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't. Matthew, did I do something else? What's that? Did I do a different technique than the one I just described? No, no. It, it was uh, okay. it was relatively the same. Use a sharpie marker, I think, and use a brass color uh the copper color and you did that oh, yeah, on, yeah. on top of black yeah. uh you painted it black mm-hmm. i guess and then you you did right. the sharpie on top of it and then you did that paint and uh yeah. i did that technique but 
um, for Matthew here, go to that. Uh, go to his blog site. You can find it on his main site. And then you're going to have to scroll a while. But you're, <laughs> it's way back. But um, there's yeah. a really good art. He writes a really good article about it on there. So it, it turns out really good. But yeah. um, now that dirt, dirt and dust deposit thing is also yeah. it's great for a lot of different things, too, because you can put it. Now, obviously, I used it on my tank model that that was uh, working on a little bit while ago because it's it's great for military yeah. modeling. But um, on like vehicles, like if you buy a shiny brand new uh, HS scale mm-hmm. vehicle, it's already made. Uh, those diecast yeah. ones. There's some nice ones out there, and you don't want it to look all shiny brand new. You can coat it in that stuff a little bit, and then you oh know, yeah, that's all you need. Yep. Yep. And that's great for this. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I've I've been using it for um, if I have any sign, like a printed sign, like a no smoking sign on a wall that's white, like black lettering on white. Mm-hmm. I just hit it with the light dust and deposits, and it just gives it that. It just kills the white enough. You know, without having to do anything else to it. Yep. Um, so any any white signs, I'll do that. I'll use that on there as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Lynn McCurdy says, "What is Doug's newest technique and material he's found to work with, or is he staying with the old methods and material?" So is there anything new? Have you have new you, material? Yeah. Have you discovered any like? Uh... Something new, uh, new, new. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, uh, nothing off the top of my head, other than I was uh, my friend Mark's uh, working on his layout a couple of weeks ago, and he. This is a ballast. Uh, I don't even know if it's a new technique, but he had a nice a ballast mix that I liked, and it was just something about it, it looked really natural, you know, as opposed to just ballast out of the jar. And he took he took black cinders. And he added some real dirt, some, you know, some dirt like from Scenic Express. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just, just a, like a small percentage of the dirt mixed in with the black. And somehow it just made this thing that looks so real. The ballast looks more real than most ballast I've seen. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was just by, by adding a little bit of dirt just to, to kill the shiny blackness of the, of the ballast or the, whether it was gray or black. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just such a great little simple thing that I never even thought to try. So basically, it kind of dusts it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. just mix it in a container before you put it on the track, and it just it just kind of makes a nice even, you know, uh, it's like weathering the ballast before you put it on the track, basically. Huh. Now, that, that's that's cool. So that's a pretty cool technique, and uh, it's new. I've never heard of doing something like that. It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But on the other half of this thing, he said about and that there are millions of different materials that are out there now in the if you go to michael's or hobby lobby or wherever you go uh that are I, every time i go in there i find something new is there anything you found mm-hmm. material wise that's new that you've tried out <laughs> lately no i wish i had no. that. <laughs> um, i don't i did try uh, the last thing i got at michael's was uh it was called a distress spray stain Oh. Huh. And I think it's for scrapbooking and making things look antiqued and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they have this, um, it's, it's three or four shades of grays and browns. And it actually works pretty well. It's just, you know, it's, it's no different than like the Hunter line ink washes, but for some reason the colors were different. That, yeah. um, you can spray it. You can spray it on a whole 
surface. And oh. Kind of brush it into place. But it was called Distress Spray Stain. Hmm. Um, and that was from Michael's. So. Oh. That's cool. Uh, I'll, use, uh, I'll use that as my answer. I can't go into that store <laughs> and walk out and I have something in my hand because I'm always finding some other new thing that comes yeah. out. What, you know, because all the stuff with the scrapbooking, the paper craft, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, the tools in the jewelry department are, are where yeah. they make yeah. people make jewelry. There's some cool yeah. tools in there. And, um, yeah. you know, but always seems to be some kind of new. Uh, you know, even even the craft paint supply people like uh, like um, I guess uh, full car or you know any of those, yeah. they are always coming out yep. with like new types of paint and you know yeah. different things like that. But and I'm gonna get to yep. a question on a lot of that uh, on that paint on that paint stuff for you uh, in a little bit here. But um, Ron Piskel, he asks Doug, can you go over uh, your technique? For the plaster and exposed brick on your Moscone, is that Moscone or Moscone? Uh, Mos- Moscone Bail Bonds, yep. Moscone Bail Bonds kit. I love the look of the walls you achieved. They reminded me of some buildings in my old hometown. Okay. Um, that was, uh, the brick is laser engraved into the, the wall. And then you use a stucco to to work around it, so the exposed brick looks like a you know where the stucco was removed fell off. Um, so in the kit is included Durham's putty, which is what I've been, you know a lot of times I'll use for stucco. Um, and it's just mixed with water, and it's it's a dries you know pretty rock hard, and you can sand it and scratch it and carve cracks into it. So, but I think on that particular kit, what he's talking about is I did a crackle finish on the. Um, on the white wall, that was the stucco, mm-hmm. and the uh, it, the kits from about eight years ago. So I vaguely remember how I did it. I just like <laughs> wasn't able. To, it was hard to replicate a second time for some reason. Right. Um, every time I tried the crackle paint, it's kind of hit and miss. Um, but one of the things that was helpful was uh, first of all, I paint the wall a color. Say it's white, or say uh, the bottom color is gray. And then you're supposed to, you're supposed to put a uh, like a resist color or some other color there, um, which is the not a color. It's a, it's the crackle finish, which is clear. Right. And then you let that dry. Paint on top of that, and then that top layer doesn't. It kind of fall, falls apart because it's not sticking entirely to that that crackle finish. But what I did was use a heat gun to kind of speed everything up and it seemed to get finer cracks, which were much better for HO scale. So once I put that last coat on and I hit it with the heat gun while it was drying, you know, 30 seconds after I brushed it on, yeah. it kind of really just shrunk the paint and cracked it really quickly. Oh. So that's, how, that's how, that's how I did that. That's a, that's a cool think, thing to know. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a neat tip there. I yeah. have crackle, I have the crackle stuff here. And I've had bad yeah. luck with that. <laughs> yeah, well, so did I, and I finally tried the heat gun. I don't even know why. Um, I was just trying anything, and that was the only thing I could do to get to get it to work well. Because, um, huh. you know, that, that crackle paint is really for furniture. Yeah. You know, or, or like big pine, you know, pine shelf you're building or something, and those, those cracks are really big. For HO scale, it doesn't really crack, you know, on a small surface. So the heat gun, for some reason, Help, help do that. Right. 
Yeah, now, the stuff I have here, I have a couple bottles of it. And my wife yeah. is a crafty person. So I didn't buy it. She kind of came into my room here from hers, and she said, hey, I got this crackle paint. I She used it for redoing a, some, some kind of country furniture thing she did. And yeah. she she goes, I'm not going to use this anymore. You, do, you want, do you want it, or I'm going to get rid of it? And I was like, oh, well, that, that'll work for my room. That was a couple years ago. <laughs> well, man, it didn't it didn't do anything at all. Luckily, I was I was practicing on some scrap wood and stuff. But but um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely try that. That's cool. Yeah, try it with the heat gun. I mean, you know, do it on some scrap piece of clapboard and see what happens. Have you had good luck with that, Mark? I mean, Mark, Brett. What's that? Have you had good luck with a crackle paint? Uh, no. So no, I haven't. I've used crackle paint one time. Um, and it wasn't even for a model railroading project, and it it was awful. Uh, my wife was making some of those pots for like plants and stuff, and uh, I used crackle paint, and it wasn't crackling fast enough, and I was being impatient, and uh, it was not achieving the effect that I wanted. But uh, I've not used it for any model railroading stuff, though. I've used the chalk paints so quite a bit though a lot recent a lot more recently those the uh, chalk paints have you used those Doug? Oh, I love using those. They, yeah. I mean they're dead flat. Yeah, they um, do not reflect any any light at all. Sometimes the matte cut like the the sometimes the matte craft paints will still have a little bit of a reflectiveness on them, and the chalk paints right, right. are just dead flat. There's nothing, no yeah. reflection. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the one I use the most is the concrete. They have a concrete color. Yeah, I use um, that pretty heavy. I think it's called. Yeah, I think it's called Cocoon from uh, from Michaels, and it's it's perfect for concrete. It's flat. It's the right color. Yeah, and you get a jar of it will last your lifetime. You know? it, it's awesome. I, I've used it for a couple things, and I have a few different colors of the of the chalk paints. If you guys don't have any, I I they're real good for flat surfaces, like Doug said for roads. I've run into some of the. Um, some of the craft paints that are the grays in the larger containers, like the 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 larger containers are of apple barrel gray or Nicole Nicole's gray. When they dry, they have a shine on them, and I don't want that on my roads. So I started using the chalk paints right. for my roads. Were you ever? Did you ever use a? Did you ever pull a jar of craft paint down and start using it, and then didn't look at the at the label part of it when you started painting with it, and find out it's a satin? Oh yeah. And not a flat, and not a. Uh, I've been there. Mat. Oh my yeah, gosh! I did it the very, other. I did it the other week, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was so upset. And I, I looked. I said, like, "Why is this shiny?" I didn't. I didn't know it till it, till it dried. And I had to. I ended up having to throw the piece of wood away, and uh, it was going to be a wall. And, and I just recently did that, and I was. I was so frustrated. But yeah. yeah. So guess where the satin ones went? It went into her own little drawer. <laughs> And I taped the drawer. <laughs> Break open in case you only need satin paint, you know. And I only had a few of them. I don't know if I went to the craft store, you know, and you get that big display in front of you, and you just start pulling them. And I guess you didn't. I didn't look, yeah. and I bought, <laughs> I bought satin, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. But uh, I don't even know if I'll ever use it. <laughs> you are you like us? We you have like a. Like stuff you bought, thought it was gonna work, and then it doesn't. Now you got this stuff sitting around. No, I, I got, got a, tons of it. I probably, oh probably half of what I have is, is <laughs> useless. 
because <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to try it. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I probably have. I actually look at them right now. I have three three or four crackle finishes, and uh, none of them have worked well for me. So, um, yep. Yep. Uh, okay. Our next question is from Joe Collins. And he goes, how does he handle that damn acetate without getting glue on it? I'm not um, sure what he means. Oh, it's putting acetate into a window, on the back of a window. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. For glass. For glass. Uh, well, there's two ways you can do it. You can buy a tool that's a tiny little suction cup. Have you ever seen those? They're from Micromark. I do and have one of those, um, yep. Yeah, I mean, so you don't you don't have to handle it at all. You just pick it up put it in, glue it in place, and then you yes. pop it off. Uh, but I, I usually just tend to take an exact, a sharp exacto blade mm-hmm. and just hit the corner to pick it up, and then I put it in place. Cool. So I, I do the same. Uh, and, 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 yeah, and I've, I've been getting away from using wood, uh, white glue to do it. I've been using plastic cement. So it's easier since, you know, the tissue windows or whatever are plastic. Yeah. Um, just run some... some some what do you call it? Some uh, plastic cement, and then just drop it in place, and you're done. Do you use, you know, a, you do use a plastic the, cement that's uh, in with the bottle with the brush, or do you use the plastic cement? Yeah, I use the the, 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 the Tamiya. It's got a little brush in it. Mm-hmm, yep, and it's, uh, it's extra thin, um, so it's really you know it's kind of, it's kind of disappears. Right. You got to work with that stuff fast though. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't have much. <laughs> it almost no. evaporates before you can start doing stuff with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found the. I'm still stuck with my um, my and the guys. A lot of the guys that follow us or watch our lives and stuff have problems with this. I'm still stuck with gluing acetate on the walls with just wood glue, and it drives people absolutely insane. Um, that I do it. Uh, have you ever done that, Doug? You're using wood glue, yellow glue. Yeah, just like I'll put a drop of wood glue or, t- or Aileen's tacky glue on the wall and it just... He uses wood glue for everything, d- Doug. Dip it down on there. I've never had them <laughs> pop off. They don't pop off. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It, it won't pop off, but as long as you don't see the glue... No, 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 no. I'm very I'm very careful to only put it like very small dots, but I've already got my wood glue out because I'm assembling the walls right. or whatever, and I'm just like, well, pff, I'm not getting another glue off the shelf. And I put a dot or two down in the corners, and, and I put it in just right, because I know you can mess it up, and you can see it then from the sides. But, um, yeah. no, I'm yeah. very careful to... Now, I cut mine with a little bit... I don't cut my acetate exact to the size of the opening. I cheat, and I just mm-hmm. put it on the back. I know a lot of guys cut it precisely. Um, I just don't I do not do that. I know we talked with Jason about it, too. He likes to have them right up against the... The window, it does create a different effect. Um, and yeah. to each his yeah. own. But I'm in a hurry, and I just want to get those windows on. Cause <laughs> it's my least favorite part. Yeah. But, man, the, yeah. com- the yeah. comments we get when I put them down with just wood glue, they it sends people through the ceiling sometimes. <laughs> comments from the Internet? No. Oh, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, now, that that... that suction cup thing is really it's really cool when you first get it you got to practice with it a little bit it's a little tricky um because yeah, yeah. it, it's you know but it works real well thank you by the way for to dave Cruzwick who uh sent me one of those and uh <laughs> i do enjoy that tool that's a pretty cool tool so yeah they come in handy um let's see back to the next question we will i think we have another acetate following that 
from Kevin Jones. He says, and how do I get the fingerprints off the acetate? I try so hard and still manage to get a partial print on it. Uh, I don't know how you get that off. I mean, you could try alcohol. Um, but I mean, if there's that much glue on it, I mean, you might as well just do it over new piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's that bad. Cause especially if you, if you, I, sometimes I'll put chalk on the windows to make them dirty. And of course, chalk is just going to make the print show up even more. Yeah. Like a, like you a, know? uh, like a, a fingerprint, fingerprint yeah. kit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I didn't know you put, you, you put chalk on the windows. Yeah, I'll put a, a gray or a black uh, on some of the windows just to dust them up, you know. Okay. And that's for the, the really dirty buildings. Not everything. Yeah. Um, usually right. I just spray it with, with a flat spray. Right. Um, but I dust them up. Huh. All right. Yes. Well, Are we James out of questions? Powell, oh, no. James Powell, well, he said, I'm looking in right now, Todd. And what he means by that's an inside joke. From he moved, he he flew to the East Coast yesterday, and I told <laughs> he said uh, he said about being there. I said, "Hey, welcome to the East." Uh, and then he sent me a private message, me and Jason, and uh, and I said, "Well, I, I don't know if he expected me to be able to meet him for dinner somewhere or whatever." He was at near BWI, and I was like, uh, "He goes, well, I'm going to come to your house and look and peek in your windows tonight." And uh, <laughs> it, it only went downhill from there. So let's just put it that way. It was extremely funny. And that's the end of that. Jim Lass, I don't know why he put this question up. Jim Lassiter says, what was your first commercial kit? I guess that you produced. Oh, it's a Big Lou's Grill. Okay. I think we discussed yeah, that before. A little, but... little hot dog. Yeah, I think we, we probably did. It's a little but, hot dog but, stand. Yeah. Jim's new. So we uh, maybe we can explain that a little bit. Or when you first did it, it was kind of like uh, – you know, what you know, did, did it sell real well for you? Was it the first one or how how yeah, did uh, how did you launch off? Did it launch off right away or uh no, it's well it's a run of hundred and fifty kits, I think, and it was uh this was in two thousand two. And I think it took about six months to sell the the run. Yeah. So Which isn't it, bad it, considering it was your first one and your first try and try. Yeah, and and there was not much of the internet. I mean, I had a website, but it wasn't. Uh, there was no Facebook. There was no Instagram and all that stuff to promote right. things. So, yeah. there was a couple of ads in the magazines. Yeah. Now, Brad uh, Lobgret, he's from Canada. I don't know if you know yep. Brad. Yep. Okay. I know Brad. And uh, he said, "I met him. He's we met him up there in Boston. He's a super guy." And uh, yeah. Um, anyways, he said, and he's a good modeler. He says, um, if you could walk away from kit producing, what might you want to do for a living? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, for, for a living? Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, I was hoping to just retire instead. I have to have another job. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I think you got a lot of jobs uh, on your plate right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, I mean, if, it, if I could do anything, you know, I don't know. It'd have to be something very similar. You know, something creative, making things or, I don't know, making furniture, graphic design, movie sets, you name it. Um, yeah. It basically would be the same kind of thing. So, Not a bigger farm, Doug? Not a bigger farm? More animals? 
this is plenty. This is plenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah and and yeah. speaking Some of which, stuff. you have a new mascot. No, well, we already we we've had him, but he is now designated a mascot. <laughs> Diesel right. or uh, Mini Donkey. Yeah. Right, Diesel. Yep. Yep. We got yeah. we got to meet Diesel when we went up there and see you and uh, uh super cool. Yeah. 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 And, and I love the idea of I, I love the idea of having a, a a face like a mascot face for the for the company like that. And uh are you gonna yeah. are you gonna incorporate Diesel into some of your graphic work? More, I mean? Uh yeah, yeah. I mean he's on the website somewhere and um you know we'll you know, he'll, he'll keep popping up in videos here and there and stuff like that. So. Well, it's it's unique, you know, and it, it fits the title of your business, which is unique structures, yeah. you know. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So um, Jake Johnson, uh, you're familiar with Jake, and he no says, sure. yeah. uh, tell us about some of your favorite three-dimensional weathering and distressing tools and techniques uh, that do not use color and paint. Um, well, I guess my favorite is the steel point of a compass, uh, you know, one point or a divider, you know, a compass has got a pencil on one end and it's got the point where you point to make your circle. Mm-hmm. And that, that point is so fine that it's, I use it to scribe into, you know, pieces of clapboard to get grain for wood. And, um, you know, you could use an exacto knife, but for some reason those, that blade is too thin and flat. Uh, yeah. So the grain closes up. The the point of the compass just seems to really kind of gouge out some of the wood, and I use it for nail holes and you know just raising the bottom of boards just to really grind them up and make them look rotted and stuff. So I use that, and then I also use a wire brush. Um, I use a few wire brushes. Um, Micromark makes a distressing tool. You know, it's the one you turn and the little bristle of wire comes out of the bottom. Yep. Yep. Um, but then, but then I just use a wire brush that you use to clean like metal, metal and stuff like a cop, you know, a brass wire brush. Right. <clears throat> you know, but, but you have to do it gently because it, that's meant for steel and heavy things you work and we're working with little pieces of wood. So it doesn't take much. You just got to mm-hmm. graze the wood and you'll get some, some detail. Um, I use a dental pick, uh, the same one your dentist uses to cause you a lot of pain when he's cleaning your teeth. Hey now, Hey, um, <laughs> Dennis. Which is similar to the compass point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't pick on Dennis now. Yeah, um, I have some dental picks, and they're always at the, some of those dental picks I have are at the weirdest little angles. <laughs> you know, they have like, yeah. uh, you know, and, and so so you're working with it, and then you're like, because it's at an angle, you're having to turn it. Uh, I I never thought of the compass thing because that's a great idea. Definitely. Oh, it's just it's it's just really sturdy. I mean, I, I had the yeah. same point. It doesn't seem to wear it down. Um, yeah. It's some you know hardened steel or whatever. Um, so I use that for a, a lot of stuff. For um, br- for wire brushes, I like the file card. Uh, you use oh like, yeah 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 for cleaning out you know for you know brushing the metal out of a file. Um, yeah. They're really really nice, and until until they become worn, and then when you're mm-hmm. using it. And the little wires bend, and they hit your fingers, <laughs> and you yeah, start bleeding. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, man! Start, start inventing some new curse words. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Did you do that, Brett? Um, yeah, man. Those things, those things are just murder <laughs> on your fingertips. They're awful. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The. Yep. Yeah. And I, I use a chisel blade a lot. 
like a half inch chisel blade for an, in an exacto handle um, to oh, lift okay. clapboards. Um, I know a lot of people use razor blades, but this, you know, the razor blade is good, but it's really easy to do too much cutting into the clapboard. Yeah. Um, right. Again, you know, it's such a small piece of wood. The razor blade is really, it has no handle. So you just kind of, you have more control with a handle. So that's why I only use the, the chisel blade to lift the clapboards and stuff. The number 18 um, or 17, what is that? Um, let's see, is the number 21? 21, right? okay. I guess I, I, I have a 17 or 18. It might be a little too wide. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah sometimes... Yeah, sometimes it wide. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that would be perfect. Yeah, but that's for, as far as tools go for distressing and stuff, and, you know, um, the only other tools I'll use are for carving rock, I'll use um, sculpting tools or pallet knives and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. That's an arsenal of weathering tools right there for you folks. But <laughs> Jake has another question. And he says, yeah. what are some of your favorite ways to detail scenes and models without resorting to traditional white metal castings? Oh, okay. Um, well, there's always a pile of boards and scrap wood and stuff. Um, there's, yeah, I, I, in particular, on my, my layout, which is supposed to be, you know, New York City in the 70s, I have to do a lot of trash. Right. So I'm cutting up tons of tiny little pieces of paper, uh, not just newspapers, but to something that would be a magazine or, uh, you know, any kind of litter that's, that's paper made. And uh, so, I mean, you could, you could do a lot with just paper, wood. Um, a technique I, I, I borrowed from uh, Lance Mindheim, who's done all the CSX modern layouts and stuff. And he's got the shelf layout business and he does amazing realistic stuff. He would do, um, you know, the metal banding that they use to strap loads on pallets and stuff. Right. He would, he would cut the thinnest strip of black electrical tape and he would put that down on, you know, along the tracks along with like some broken glass, like a piece of acetate and a piece of wood. And it looks super convincing. You know, it's, it's one of those things you wouldn't think about. Um, wow! You see it, you, know, you, you recognize it immediately. Yeah, he's got some great ideas and techniques. So we've had him on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. He's something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, so anything like that. Um, yeah, it depends on what you're modeling. I mean, you know, the castings have a place, but um, it's really fun to make those small modeling. things that you're talking about too. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, you know, especially if you're time sensitive and you, you don't have a lot of time in your layout, it's very satisfying to just do the scenery for like a two inch square area mm-hmm. and just put some trash and, you know, one tire, one piece of wood, a couple of newspapers, and it looks like something, you know. Yep. We're actually, um, speaking of two inch by two inch areas, we are, uh, our overtime listener group is doing a two inch by two inch square contest right now which is a lot of fun i'm having some fun with it um but that's such a that's a tough area when it's isolated two inch by two inch doug but it's but what yeah. you're but when but when you're working on a larger area like a big diorama or a layout it's much easier but when you got to think just inside of that tiny little square that's hard yeah. so well yeah because you're trying to you're trying to get 
get people's attention. It's a, that's all you got. So, right, right. Uh, you, you need some, something interesting in the in place there. So yeah, well, it's uh, just yeah, uh, yeah. it's proven to be a pretty big challenge for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Doug's got to get in on uh, some of them. Oh, I know that'd be fun. Uh, you so, got to get in on some <laughs> of those contests. So we have it, this. It's not, there's no prize well, other there, than there's a prize. Tell him the prize. We it, got this. So he can get in and jump in because he'll know a lot of these guys that are doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, most yeah. of the guys that are asking questions are guys that have, are participating. But we so every <laughs> couple months over the summer and during the main part of the quarantine last year, we came up with a traveling prize um, just for the listener group. Well. Uh-huh. It was. I got on one of those cheap trophy sites, like the you know Crown Trophy has like real some cheap trophies, and I think it was like six yeah. six bucks. And I got this golden. It's like a foot tall golden Oscars looking guy, an Oscar. <laughs> but I yeah. I named him Ernest, and uh, he's our traveling <laughs> traveling trophy for these little contest builds that we do, and they're small builds. Um, yeah. And uh, we. We post the pictures on our page, and everyone can vote. Whichever gets the most reactions on their photo within like two weeks is the winner. And uh, then the, it's on the honor system that when you have the trophy, it's your duty to ship it to the next guy. And it fits in a flat rate box, so it's only like six bucks to ship it. But when you right, get right. the trophy, you can add anything you want to it. So now he's starting oh, to like. There's okay. like scenery getting added to him, and pe- you can do whatever you want to him. <laughs> yeah, everybody keeps doing oh, something new good. on him. <laughs> right, right. So, so but, the next one was a uh, two inch by two inch diorama, which it ends in the. I think it ends on Sunday. So uh, we'll see what people come up with. Uh, is there is there any limit to how vertical you can go? No, no. It's two by no. two inch flat, and you can go eight feet high if you can get, if you can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, we've had some. Uh, oh boy! So we've had some real winners on that. So, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and some. And it's, it's actually. Stuff too. And what's really cool about it is, like, you know, sometimes you're building kits, and and you know, you just you need something else to do. So for me, I think it's yeah. neat because, yeah. like, right now, two by two inches, I'm just doing a little tiny newsstand that I'm going to make, uh-huh. and then I'm going to pop right. it off the little two inch by two inch piece of foam when I'm done, and pop it into the city. Um. Yeah. You know, but it's it's adding a. I'm doing something that we're going to put on our layout, but I normally wouldn't have done otherwise. So it's fun. Right. Right. Nice. So, well, all right. Let's go to the next question here. This is the last one on this page here. So, um, and then we'll get into some of our questions as well. But it's from James Powell. Do you know James? Uh, I know. I know his work. I, I don't know him okay. personally, but I love, well, he I said, love his stuff. Uh, he he he's he's another one that's got a really creative mind. So um, he says, I love, I'd like to know if you've ever tried to laser cut papyrus paper for shingles. How, um, how you ever, oh, I think he meant to say, have you ever seen this technique of using handmade papyrus for shingle shakes? Cedar shakes. I have not, no. Sorry. No. Okay. Well, that answered that question. That was a quick one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering how flat it is. Yeah. Is it perfectly flat, or is it you know, if it curls up or gets warped? The laser will, you know, you'll get caught in there and it won't cut uh, yeah. nicely. But uh, but yeah, I can see why you'd want to use it just because of the texture. Yeah. What do you? Is that just some common thing you can buy? Uh probably. I'm sure you can yeah. buy it somewhere. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I don't think I've ever I've ever uh, seen it anywhere. But um, I'm sure you yeah. can get it, Blick Art Supply or something like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, okay, so that answers those questions that we have. That was. Uh, I'm going to refresh just to make sure we didn't get any after I start. Nope, we start doing this. Good. Sure. Think we're good? Yep. Yeah. All right. So, Brett, you want you got some questions for him? I do. Are you ready, Doug? <laughs> All right. It's rapid fire session. So I just want to. I want to. I'll throw you a softball one first. I want to ask, what is your favorite, like, type of, not urban scenery, but what's your type? What's your favorite type of like natural vegetation? Um, I mean, it could be in an urban setting to work with, though. So do you like working with? Static grass? Do you oh, like you working mean, with? Oh, you mean the the, the actual product? Like the, yeah, yeah, and not brands. Um, you don't need to go into brands, but like, what's your favorite when you when you get to work with it? You're like, oh man, this just always gets a good result. And then and then which one ever, whichever one is your favorite, give us a little bit of a preview of how you like to work with that if it's different. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the I guess the answer would be that I like almost I use everything, and that's sort of the 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 key to it mm-hmm. you know we you, you and I, we've all talked about this before on the show with layering paint and colors right and the same thing holds for for scenery so um, I would use static grass I would use the stuff the prairie tufts I would use the mats that are already kind of stuck together I use all of that at the same time all the time right um, because I, I want as much variety as possible um, you know so if I was doing a stretch of scenery you know a 12 inch area i would put down real dirt always um there's really no other nothing else to put on the bottom other than real dirt right i don't know what what else you'd use to even look like that so and then i would do patches of static grass you know and leave some areas open um or dirt and then i would take the i'd start pulling out the stuff that's on the mats like the martin wellberg stuff that's got kind of thick bushes and stuff and brambles and just sort of fill in the areas that are just dirt or even go on top of the static grass and just go from there. Um, you know, I, I, I just recently built myself a scenery cart to get all, all my stuff organized and I didn't realize how much stuff I had. And, um, <laughs> it's, you know, for every, every bush, I've got 10 types of the bush, bush colors and, and things. And I've got 10 types of mats and 20 types of static grass. And I use all of it. It's not like I don't, you know, like I'm not like nothing got wasted. And if you look at any, you go outside and there's 25 types of vegetation right in front of your house. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I kind of kind of I do everything. Um, I think if you just use static grass, it would look kind of flat and boring. You know, unless you're doing some some grass field somewhere. You know, out in Texas or California where it's just grass. But um, I like the texture of different colors and different shapes and different materials and. Um, and I use the leaf litter. Um, I use a lot of that. Okay. Uh, it just makes it just it, not like the real dirt. It's a, it's a real thing. So you don't even have to do anything to make it look good. Um, well, you right just take leaves and just, <clears throat> no, it's a product I buy from scenic express. It's already, oh. it's already, he already, he grinds up dried leaves. Yes. Um, we, we have those. Yeah. Yep. They're awesome. Yep. Yeah, uh, they're they're a little big for HO. They're perfect for O scale, but I usually just grind them in my fingers a little bit, 
break them up and a little more. That's enough to crumble it. Yeah, just take out any big pieces and stuff, you know. Um, and it just it makes uh, it makes it real in seconds. You know, you don't even have to do anything. Oh yeah. So nice. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't really know if that answers your question because there's no, no it does. one thing. No, it does. Um, yeah. I think there was probably eight tips in that in that explanation as well too. So it's perfect. <laughs> no, it's good. And I and yeah. I actually have been doing the base of dirt for everything I've been working on on my my end. I think my dad probably does too. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. When I first started, and this is back to what we were talking about earlier. When I first started, I did a lot of painting like a base layer and then throwing static grass or. Uh, vegetation on top of that and it just never was like it didn't work out yeah. well there's a product from ak called like dry earth or earth whatever that one was yeah. and i thought that might be a yeah. good base and it never really it wasn't it looked like dirt when it was dry but it wasn't like as realistic as real dirt you know what i mean it looked like i painted on fake right. dirt because um, it's what you right, do right. right it's what it is but yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. once you've sifted it and maybe you bake it i don't know if you bake it we don't bake it but um no once we sifted it a couple times, man, that just it's awesome. And and every now and then it get it can get a little clumpy if you're careless. But then you just use your finger and push it down, flatten the dirt. Yeah, and, you, can, you can push it down, and you're ready right. to go. So yeah. I, I took a I yeah. took a um a tip from recently from Kathy Millet or Melot, and um, oh, yeah. from her she put a um an, a a video together was she did a diorama in a picture frame. I don't know if you saw that and it was just a small stream and everything else. Well, she used and she's been using it a lot lately and I tried, I've been trying it out and that is tile grout and she's been buying different shades of different tile grout and she uses that as her dirt because it's super duper fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I've, I've had, I still use the real dirt, but, I've had really good results with that tile grout. I mean, I have like three different shades that I use, but the nice yeah. thing is it comes in, you know, like, like almond or bone or, you know, yeah. in, in, in different colors. Cause your earth that changes, even like you said, with the vegetation outside, um, it changes, right. you know, it's a hundred different kinds or something, you know, but your, your earth, even from you know, my house to down the street, there's different shades of, of dirt. You know, so right. it's, uh, I don't, have you ever tried tile grout for dirt? Uh, I think I have. Yeah. I, I know the color you're talking, the colors you're talking about. The only thing is it's, it's, it's a little too even, I think. Yeah. Um, like the sifted dirt, there's always a couple of pebbles in there that are a little bigger and True. It, it just, it looks, it's, it's dirt. So it looks like dirt. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, yeah, you're right. We, we use a lot of that. So, but, yeah. uh, but the, uh, this was mainly for use in like a creek bed. Uh, oh, yeah, area. So it was, it yeah. was pretty. So anyhow. Um, so what about you, sorry, Dad? You got... interject there. Oh, I got questions. I got questions. Yeah, go for we're, it. We're going to jump to that. <laughs> well, I've been building this uh, Diorama Blitz um, Kino Theater. Okay. Yeah. Uh, love it, by the way. This is amazing. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I've nice. built it a lot along the lines of what you did. I kind of inter, I kind of did a little bit of some of what you've done with the coloring on the front, and then in the backside, I took a little bit of Kathy's uh, on on your diorama blitz uh, 
page, a web uh, Facebook page, she has a whole thing of where she um, she posted some of her pictures up there of hers, and yeah. um, it has. You know, I like what she did with the collapsing floor on the back, and uh, so I kind of incorporated some of that from uh, onto mine as well. So I'm going to have a collapsing floor. It's a little different than hers, and I actually have two of them: one on the second story and one on the first floor. Um, mm -hmm. so actually the second story is collapsing and the third story is collapsing. Um, but <clears throat> I have been, I've been experimenting with a lot of the techniques that you put in your directions, which were, are super well written. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun trying to get those, you know, put the different washes on and get the color of the stone work on the building. Um, I even contacted you on the brickwork um, and how you got the yeah. white on the brick. And if you want to explain that for him real quick, uh, that'd be great because it's. I think it's something you could use on on HS scale as well. To be honest with you, or on oh, my sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was that was just using plaster powder. Yeah, that we were talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for, for for making a brick mortar, and there are dozens of ways to do it. Uh, but one of the easy ways is to take some plaster powder, put it in a cup dry, and then take another cup of water and dip your brush back and forth from the water to the plaster and just dab it onto your brick surface and then let it settle into the, the mortar lines. And then if it's sitting on top, take some more water and uh, just brush it in and it'll kind of just bleed into the, the mortar lines and just sit there and, and live there. And that's it. Um, I mean, you could hmm. use your finger. Uh, you could use spackle. You could use um, joint compound um, mm -hmm. and push it into your finger as well. But this is just this is kind of an uneven technique. So it's irregular. And you, you you get it in some places and you won't get it in others, which is good, um, especially on the larger scales, like the 135th, the, the military stuff. Right. Uh, it works really well. Yeah, and... and I had to contact you on that because I loved how you got the white on your brick. Uh, it was sitting on top of the brick in spots too, you know. So I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, wow, I wonder how he did that. So maybe he dry brushed it. So I tried to dry brush it, and it it it, yeah. it looked okay, but it it, it didn't yeah. have it didn't have any pop. It was it looked like it was dry brushed, mm -hmm. and I'm like, ah, that don't that don't look good. That don't look good. And I was frustrated. I took it off, you know, and I'd repaint it. And I'm like, ah, that's the good thing about this, about modeling is, it, is a lot of times you can take it off, you know, and salvage yeah. it. But, uh, and then I was like, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to contact him. <laughs> so, and I asked <laughs> you about that. And then you said about, well, you're dead on. One of the things you said was that you can push those little pieces of plaster around, even with your finger and put them in mm -hmm. places where you want them. And, um, right. which is, which was perfect because, it's just like when you're working with the the military modeling paints that have the uh, like we were talking about the dust and dirt deposits, for example. You know, it's when you're when you're using that or you're using oil paints, you're moving that you're using you're using the um, mineral spirits to push that stuff around where you want it. Okay, right. the pigments. Okay, this is yeah. the same concept. You're moving. You're moving these this plaster, you know, into the places where you want it or don't want it, yeah. and it's real easy yeah. to do that with the method you were talking about. So yeah, I, and love I think the it's a, it's a 
Oh, good. Um, I think it's a, it's confusing to, to especially to beginners, I guess, that everything on a model is painted with a brush, and probably fifty percent or more of the time it is not. It's it's we should, you really should call it something else. It's applied, right? Mm-hmm. Like the like the dust and dirt deposits. That's applied. It's not brushed on really, right. and the plaster is applied. It's not brushed or painted. So. I think everyone gets a little confused and intimidated because I have to paint things. Right. And, you know, even for clapboard, I, I use a sponge most of the time. I'm not painting anything. Um, so a lot of this is application and not just brushwork. Right. And I think, uh, you know, it opens up your, your, your toolbox of techniques even more if, you're, if you get in that mindset of dabbing something on a, on a surface instead of trying to paint it with a brush, you know. Right. Um, because then you end up with brush streaks and things that just don't look like what you want. So um, it's a it's a distinction, you know, that you should consider. It, 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 the the thing about working with a one thirty, and I'm going to recommend this to all of the listeners out there. Doug has, I believe, three kits that are available uh, through his Diorama Blitz section on his website um, for one thirty fifth scale modeling and. I gotta tell you, like I said, I, I, I'm I'm anxious to get back to doing some of the to my HS skill kits because I got a pile up back here, right? <laughs> but um, I I love doing this. It, it opened up a whole different world for me um, by doing this. And you told us on one of the first shows that you had you were on that you were doing at the time an O scale uh, an O scale building of some kind. You said you were stepping up and trying your hand at a no skill building and you liked how mm-hmm. i think it's one that you even that you sold maybe i don't know and that you have um it you were able to try new techniques and you were able to add you know you're you're forced almost to have to do more detail work okay because it's yeah, it, yeah. um but it opened up a whole different level of modeling um in my in my opinion by doing this oh, so yeah for sure uh, I recommend that any of you listeners want to try this stuff. It's not hard. You're going to have to be patient with it and try the different techniques. Um, but get yourself one of these kits. They're not real expensive. They're a really good price point, And they're, they are a ton of fun. I don't want to make an advertisement for you here, Doug. But, <laughs> Thank you. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just really it's, – it's it's, it was a blast. I'm going to get another one, you know. I've already decided. I told myself I'm only doing one of these, and I'm never doing another one. Okay, now. <laughs> but now you're hooked. Uh, but now I'm hooked. I mean, I'm going to get another one, and this is going to be put on my bookshelf in my office. I work in the military field, and uh, in my office, uh, a lot of military people will come in or out, and as a result, um, th- this will be a conversation piece, and this is going. I'm having a lot of fun with this, but. Um, Anyways, on the technique part of all this, I've found that working with a lot of these different – i you mentioned working with the different mediums and things that, earlier in the show. And I, I, used, I used craft paint on this. I used um, acrylic craft paint that was craft uh, from – acrylic craft paint from the craft store. I used acrylic craft paint from AK. I used – um, products from uh, AK, from MIG Ammo, 
from uh, Vallejo. I got them all here. Um, and, you know, was it's multiple, multiple layers of different things to get these results. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So, um, and a couple scary moments because you're painting on these and you're, you, you got the one kit. It's hydrocal plaster, right? So it's, it's, you know, you got to get it right or you got the one kit. There's no spare parts, right? It's not like you test this stuff out on a piece of wood. You, you, you're doing it on the piece. So, you know, um, it, it's, it's kind of cool. It's, 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 like I said, not, I wouldn't say intimidating, um, but I would say um, it, there, there were some moments where you weren't sure. And once you put it on, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, how can I change <laughs> that? You know? So, but mm -hmm. uh, it all turned out a lot of fun. And um, now I have some questions for you. Um, I, tonight yeah. I painted the cobblestone. Um, there are washes out there. I have several different washes, both from AK and New Gamo. And uh, those washes, uh, they're awesome. You put them on, they, you know, they, they really help blend things and, and give a deeper depth to what we're doing. Um, and then there is also, there is also what is called, um, what, do they, what do they call that? I always, I, I have your direction sheet here. Uh, but, but filters. And I have filters too. I have a couple filters. I just don't have the blue filter. My question yeah. was, what's, can you explain the differences between washes and filters? Because I think a lot of people, I read online, a lot of people get, get a mix up. Um, I think they're very similar. I mean, I don't really know if I have the right answer as well. Uh, my <laughs> understanding is that they're both, they're both transparent, you know, um, you can, and they come in different colors as blue filters, as green filters, as red filters and so forth. So, um, I think you can use it to change colors. If something, you know, if you have like a gray, like the cobblestone, I think that's what I did. I painted it gray and then I put a blue filter over it. Um, so it's really just a blue wash. Did you make that blue wash? Or did you just buy that, or? Um, I probably took some blue paint, some acrylic paint, mixed it with some alcohol, uh -huh. and just you know applied it. And then I probably painted some individual blocks, cobblestones, different grays, just like you would brick. Right, right. Uh, for some variety, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, on that cobblestone, you said use three grays. I mean, we were talking about different shades of gray okay. earlier. Yeah. And uh, you said, you know, recommended at least three different shades of gray. And yep. as a as a modeler, we have, I probably have, I bet I have 20 different kinds of gray paint. <laughs> so the right, dilemma right. was sitting in front of me, <laughs> which ones are going to look like cobblestone? So I found the best way to figure that out is to do some Google work. On Google's image search, I'm sure you use that a lot too. Um, sure. And uh, looked up cobblestone streets in like Europe or New England, and they all seem to have that that you know that same mold. It's a more of a darker gray or grayish blue, like you explained. And yeah. um, so I kind of uh, worked with it a little bit here, and I didn't. I was going to ask you mainly about those filters how you would create a filter or if that's um, something you would, you bought. I know that when, cause that's the confusing part you get to where it says filter 
Uh, not confusing by your directions, by the way, but confusing in the hobby. Um, yeah. Fillers itself, um, you go to you go to the hobby shop or place where they sell military modeling, and actually, not too many of them around here. Um, but um, or you go online and look at the websites, and they have like a filter shade for every different army, for every different you know. Even a yeah. colors, filters, and washes. Um, yeah. And- well, I, I'll- no, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Well, I think I think what's what's the purpose of the filters in like the military modeling is that they are the system, the color system they have is coordinated. You know, for um, so if you have a tan tank, there's a light brown filter that will complement that tan, and just it's kind of like the light. Dust deposits. It just it makes a an irregular kind of wash over the same color. Right. If that makes sense. And yep. It's very subtle. Um, so I guess you could call it a wash. Well, we would call it a wash, but they have their system of you know. Um, I'm sure if you look on the AK's website or Ammo's website, mm-hmm. they'll tell you what filter to use on what camouflage color. You know, there's a green filter for the green camo. Right. For the khaki for the khaki and stuff, and uh, it's a it's a coordinated system. Well, on the wall itself that I have here, I went out <clears throat> and bought a filter from AK, um, uh, and it's a it's a kind of a yellowish uh, yellow filter. It's called uh, for desert yellow, light brown for desert yeah. yellow filter, and I used that over top of the uh, the yellowish style paint that I had. Here, I also use a brown wash. Uh, that was also a key. I believe that was so. Actually, um, it doesn't have to be just for what it says, um, but this is right, right. a, it's the wash for wood, and it has like a brownish tint, so I kind of thinned it out and put it over top, and then I put, after it dried, I used this filter, and it literally changed the whole tone of the wall, and I loved it. it, it, it I think it blended it, you know? Right. So right. that was that was really cool. And so now the uh, the co- that one thing I learned is on this cobblestone street, uh, you better have a lot of time on your hand for painting each individual um, uh, tile or uh, yeah, for each yeah. every 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 uh, cobblestone piece. Oh my word! It took me forever. Uh, and then when you and before you stain it. I was looking at it, Doug, and it looked like it looked like uh, it, because I hadn't done anything with it yet. I didn't put any washes yeah. or anything else on it, and I'm like, oh, it kind of looks fakey, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's got, one of the one of the grays was kind of light, and I'm like, oh, that might be too light because the other ones are darker, and you know, I was right. really kind of uncomfortable with it at first, and then I started taking the washes, the dark washes to it. And oh my gosh, it turned out. I think it turned out pretty good. But um, yeah. My my main question was the washes. Do, do you have to buy those enamel washes? Can you make your own? Do you make your own? And that you kind of answered it there on that a little bit. Do you yeah, use- I mean basically, yeah, you can use paint and thin it with water. You can thin it with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also you could also buy a little cheap palette of watercolor paint. Right. You know the ones with the little. The, the cakes of watercolor paint and just kind of huh. mix those with water and you got a color. So 
So yeah. and just add some black to it to, you know, if you buy a simple basic set, those colors are going to be too bright. But you can mix some black in, mix some gray, and water them down. Um, yeah, I mean, of all the things, of all the things we do in modeling, I think getting the right color is probably the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's easy to to make something dirty. It's easy to make something rusty. But to 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 match and mix color is really a special special thing, and um, yeah. it's it's hard. It, it, it is hard. Um, it is tough. That's why I paint paint all my buildings white, and then I have to. Paint <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, I, the watercolors is a great idea, Doug, because when I was painting the tank, when I made that uh, that Sherman Easy Eight tank, um, yeah, I. I was I had never done any military modeling ever in my life. I've never yeah. made a tank, you know. I might yeah. have done a battleship or something when I was a kid, you know. And um, right, right. and that yeah, you know, it was it was horrible, of course. I was like ten. So, but I started making this tank, and I'm like, I'm like on YouTube trying to you know watch every type of tech. There must be a hundred different techniques to weather a tank. And this one guy yeah. got this great result. From using the cake, you know, the multiple color, it's just a you know cheap watercolor set, you know, and well, um, uh, in this flat tray. So I went to Michael's and I picked one up and I thought, try it. And uh, wow, you can weather with those watercolors. Really, it's 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 a lot of it's it may it's not too bad. It looks. Uh, it turns out really you can shade with it and you can do the filters like you were saying. Um, yep, yep. Just uh, it was it was uh, the mo- making of that tank was was a lot of fun. Uh, I really had yeah. a, a good time. With that. And but like I said, watercolors are something that I am now going to look into for weathering stuff with model railroading uh, a little bit yeah. for the same reason. And uh, yeah. that that was great. Uh, have you have you looked at um, color color modulation for the tanks? Color modulation. Yeah, my dad might have a hard time spelling that. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a technique in AK cells sets of color modulation. Basically, like if you're painting your Sherman tank, they they paint it, they airbrush it with six different green colors, right? So there's a there's a base green, and then there's a shadow green, and then there's a highlight green. So you're trying to with those six colors you're creating shadows and daylight all at the same time. Ah. Uh, it's really, it's, it's really nicely. If you do it well, I, I hate airbrushes cause I can't stand cleaning them. But um, <laughs> if you're, if you're good, if you're good with an airbrush, mm-hmm. um, they, they show you this, there's like, you know, six steps and all these different greens that go onto it. And then when you look at it, it looks like it's in daylight without having it in daylight. Huh. Oh, it's wow. really strange because it's got this shadow, dark green, and you only put it where the shadows would be, and then it all blends together with the airbrush, and it's it's really nice. Oh, wow. Um, but but it's, it's it's pretty, it's more, I guess it's more of an advanced technique. I'm not that um, far yet, Doug. I'm, it's my first tank, pal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there, there, there's a book by AK called, uh, it's FAQ2, and it's uh, Frequently Asked Questions of the AVF Painting Techniques. And it's got a tank on the cover, and it shows you every tank technique you can possibly use, and uh, uh-huh. it'll it'll really get you it'll it'll get you everything you need to know. Yes, I'll be buying um, that book. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty. You'll you'll learn there, a lot. Um, their FAQ books are awesome. I have one. Of their diorama FAQ in the, with the yellow cover. Yeah, I think I got it from yep, you. Yep. And um, probably. It, yeah, and uh, it's it's uh, it, it's a sweet book. I mean, it, it's really their 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 techniques and tips and things are are great. You can find those online too, people. Um, their books are available on uh, Google or Amazon for download yeah. so where you can like watch them on your Kindle fire or whatever. And, uh, so you can do that as well. So, um, I have several of them that way too, but, um, yeah, that's, I never heard of color modulation. And, uh, now I was using different, like the different watercolors and the different, I use a couple different green paints, um, uh-huh. and, uh, and, and tried to work with different shadowing and techniques. I didn't want to rust it too much. Because I know for a fact that a rusty tank during war um, doesn't serve its purpose very well. So yeah, people yeah. people die. <laughs> so yeah, if the equipment yeah. ain't working. But um, so I didn't rust it too much. I put some uh, areas where it would be worn and things like that from guys climbing all over it and washing it and cleaning it and that type of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a lot of lessons learned in, in doing that kit. I recommend everybody that's out there uh, to at least try one, and you know, it, it, and try your hand at something larger. Um, you yeah. know, the, yeah, yeah. You do you larger? What's that? Do you do a larger modeling other than the HS scale, or uh, just the, the the military kits that I've done, and a couple others that I've bought from other people, um, right? Just for fun. And you know you, you you learn so much, and it all translates back to HO scale, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, and you can try different things that you, you wouldn't have thought of. That's what um, Jason was yeah. talking about yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, last week, where or two weeks ago, yeah. where you know you work larger, and when you come back to your smaller scale, it's almost like wow, this is a lot easier, uh, <laughs> way easier yeah. than uh, it was yeah. when I was you know before I did the larger scales. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's, you know I get burnt out from HO scale, so it's good to try something else. Um, you know, you want to step away from your layout sometimes, and right. and but still you want to model. You just don't want to do that. You know, right? Yeah, so this is per- that's what per- this was. It was a distraction for me. Something yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and again, that's kind of what Jason's doing with his sci-fi diorama. He goes back and forth between that and his HO stuff. Yeah, and. Uh, it's a good balance, you know, because you, you can only stare at something for so long, whether it's your layout or the other thing. Yeah. And uh, it's a good, uh, and, and you're going to learn something. So yeah, right. It's, a, it's, it's, it's yeah. good all it's good all around. And I got to tell you, people, that if you go out and get this, if you go out and get one of these kits, I got to forewarn you. Yeah, because you're going to buy the tank, or you're going to buy a jeep, or whatever you're going to build for it. Okay, and then you're gonna you're like me. I'm I got. This thing is far from done. It looks like it's going to be done, but Brett has printed a a um, chandelier in his 3D printer, and we're going to hang it from the wreckage inside that arched window uh, from a strand of wire, like it's just wrecked there. You know, some glass globes mm-hmm. on it. Some of them are going to be broken. Some of them are going to be whole. Um, it. It was he printed out a 3D chandelier that looked amazing. We took a paint, I got one of those gold paint pens and colored it. Oh my word! It looks like it's uh, looks like a real gold chandelier. Uh, so we're gonna hang that in the front, 
and uh, I got crates and boxes, and um, uh, I got from Tamiya. I bought a bunch of other accessory kits and pieces. Um, I think wine bottles and things I'm going to scatter on the ground in crates um, in, from the you, inside. Did you, did you buy a terracotta pot? I had the terracotta pots. That's some, that's coming up soon. <laughs> you you and, told and me crush, about that. Crush it up. Yep. You crush yep. it up and make a great brick debris. Oh yeah, yeah. I had the terracotta. It's sitting yeah. over on the shelf over here. But I have all these things now. Well, here's the thing. I don't need fifty jerry cans that come in the box. I don't need <laughs> uh, well, you know all, all these other little things, right? So yeah. Guess what? I'm gonna have to buy another building. Another diorama, and use some of this stuff yeah. up. So that's yeah. where you—that's yeah. where you, it'll get addictive. So, but uh, yeah, it's fun. It was fun. But uh, that's those were some of the questions I had for you with the uh, with the the filters and the washers because it's a little confusing for for you uh, for people. I think, yeah. you know, trying yeah. to understand yeah. that it was for me. It still is a little bit, but um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think in the in the in the if you get the AK catalog, mm-hmm. um, the back of the catalog, like twenty five pages, each page is a technique page on each of their products. Yeah. So they tell you how to use it and what it's for, and it's really helpful. Yeah, and, and they have videos on YouTube for every one of their products. Um, yeah. You can look it up, yeah. and you're going to be able. They're going to show you how to use it on there. You may not understand the language, okay, and it may it may go so fast that you have to. St- Pause, stop it every two seconds and rewind. Okay, because I had right, to do right. that a million times with those uh, military model. Some of those military model guys, oh my gosh, I I don't I don't know how they do some of the things they do. Anyhow, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's that. AK has uh, uh, all of them, all all those companies do. They have uh, stuff out there to really help you with your uh, whatever product you bought. So, what are you working on? On your layout, I know you have your own layout going on. So, what? Yeah. Anything new with that? Um, I'm working on a canal scene. I did a video on the the trash on the in the low tide scene. I'm working yes, on. Yes, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm finishing that up so I can get to the next step and uh, pour the water finally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's about it for the layout. Uh, <laughs> well, we saw when we went up there to see you, we saw you just starting that thing. And uh, oh, okay. so well, we wonder how far along you are. Yeah, now now it's it's probably not even closely what resembled what we saw. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's it's slow, but it has come a long way. Um, and you probably you probably wouldn't even recognize the shop because I've changed it so much. So, <laughs> of course, it uh, changes ch- changes every week. Well, that's how. Uh, so. That's how uh, mine. I feel like ours changes every every time. My dad and I are working downstairs. It's like, hey, we get these harebrained ideas. It's it's like, well, let's move this over here, and then, oh, you know what? Let's just build a different bench, and then let's just, yeah, you know, do this. Why, why yeah. not? <laughs> there is a uh, on our overtime at the bench area. There is a picture somebody posted of your workshop. Oh, you posted nine hours ago on your website. Oh, they did. said. Yeah, yeah. Scott Perry, and he says, reflecting on this photo, ask Doug where he works. <laughs> There's no empty room. There's not a square inch of room anywhere, open anywhere. Uh, wow. Yeah, there's plenty of room. 
<laughs> Doug, have, Doug, don't let him I, don't I, let him make you feel bad because my workbench feels the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a sign I got something done. If it's a mess, then I would, you know, uh, I I I can't for the life of me work in a neat way. Um, I can't like use something, put it back. Use something, put it back. It just I use something, I use something, and then the whole table's covered. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't know how else to do it. I've tried, I've tried, and I've tried, but it's just, it's a process. Yeah, you have, um, you said you built, I noticed you like to build carts, and you built some yeah, of the well, most unique carts. I saw one of you had was your diorama cart, and uh, we yeah. talked about that in one of the other shows, and you just mentioned yeah. tonight you have a scenery cart, so explain, what's what's up with your scenery cart? Uh, well, a couple things I had all my scenery materials in like five different places in the shop. So I didn't even know what I had. Right. And if I'm working on my, if I'm working on a kit, I need it down by my workbench. If I'm working on the layout, I need it anywhere from, you know, the the 40 feet, the length of the layout. So it, it had to be, I wanted everything on wheels. Okay. So I just built this plywood tower and I put in some drawers with some drawer slides and uh, I tried to get everything in one, one little, 24 inch square tower of stuff. <laughs> so it's got some shelves. It's got, um, it's got a paper towels and, you know, all the, all the scenery materials and everything's in bins in the cart. And, you know, yeah. you got to take pictures to show everybody your cart because sure. your, your other cart was inspiring for us. We, we actually, I didn't make one. I'm not going to lie. I didn't right. make one. However, yeah. uh, I went out and bought they, at Michael's and stuff. They have the carts now. They have their craft carts on wheels. And uh, yeah. so I, I now have a whole mess of them in my workshop, and I got to push them around just to get to the door. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but they're so helpful because I can just turn, yeah. reach, pull, you know, and, and do what I need to. And if I need the other cart, I can roll it over, and all my stuff's within arm's reach. Uh, it's yeah. awesome. But your carts are yeah. – are, are inspiring because they have all kinds of neat gadgetry on them. <laughs> but, uh, 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 yeah, well, the, the other goal is to have everything on the shop on wheels. I probably, I think I'm on, I have 14 tables and carts that have wheels now and it makes the world a difference. <laughs> so, you keep rearranging yeah. it all, right? So you just kind of move it over here. That's neat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I have a, my, my table saw is about 500 pounds. Yeah. Oh, and, it, it comes. It's on a. It's, it's got a base that has wheels. You just push it with a lever, and you can just push it out of the way. And you know, if you don't use it for a week, it's. I can just uh, just get it out of the way. So everything it's, needs to be like that. And you know, and that's what you need to do to run a professional shop. A, a buddy of mine, he's a uh, he's a jeweler. Um, he makes uh, jewelry. He designs jewelry uh, for yeah. big for big stores like you know Zales or or. Right. You know, Doesn't he do some store. custom pieces though? He does custom yeah. pieces for people, but he's that's what he does. And uh, he's he just recently moved here from from uh, Oregon. I went to school with him, and uh, now he moved back into our area. Um, and I helped him move some of his equipment into his new home uh, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, his his whole basement is just this big studio. Uh, where he does all his work, and it's a lot, di- it's a lot different than what we do, but it's very similar to what we do. And all his stuff, just like yours, 
its own wheels because it's so heavy. Yeah. Some of the equipment that he works with is so heavy. He's got all kinds of, you know, um, 3D printers and things like that, of course, but they're the high, super high-end ones. But then he has, um, you know, some heavy machinery stuff that he works with. And and like, a, like you said, like, you know, three, four, five hundred pounds. And uh, it took yeah. like three or four of us to lift some of this stuff. Uh, but it, he puts it all onto these big, heavy carts uh, they're designed to hold it, and, and uh, right. they're all wheels. And uh, he said, I have to have everything on wheels because I move everything all around my uh, studio. And uh, you know, and that's how you become efficient, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you can double the amount of space you have by just pushing it out of the way. So Right, right. Yeah. Well, Brett, do you got anything else for Doug? We're closing up on two hours no, here, I, man. No, I've, uh, I've, I've covered a bunch. So actually, let's let Doug... Um. Yeah. Let's let Doug freestyle this one. You can either ask us a question, or you can give our listeners a one last tip that you know, whatever you want, doesn't matter. Oh, Brent, I have a question for you. Okay. What what kind of what kind of three D printer are you using? Is it resin or filament? It's a resin printer. Um, we have the I have the AnyCubic Photon, which is like their hundred and seventy dollar yep. yep. one, and yep. uh, you know it's. It's a, it's a learning curve. Uh, definitely a learning <laughs> curve. I've learned to use the more supports that I can squeeze in. Obviously, you can go overboard, but supports are the key. Yeah. So that was the hardest thing to learn was right. like, what, what yeah. to to make sure I'm supporting things. To look at a model that I'm going to print and uh, figure out where where it's gonna, try to predict where it's going to fail. And then I'm always wrong. It's always going to fail. But uh, yeah, no, but yeah, I got the the the, the entry level one, and I mean, for what my dad and I needed for for printing detail parts, it's been pretty. Uh, yeah, we've been pretty successful with it. Uh, I printed my dad the chandelier. Um, I actually did a run of like two or three dozen lamp posts. So um, uh-huh. I found on uh, Thingiverse uh, some lamp yeah. posts, and I was able to to scale them down using my my uh, printing software. So, you know, I'm not, I mean, I don't want to use that same style lamppost for the whole city, but it was nice to have, you know, a couple dozen lampposts yeah, on hand. And then I bought clear yeah. resin for the, the globes for the lights. Oh, nice. Um, nice. So I printed them separately, but you know, for stuff like that, for 160 bucks, I think it's definitely the, for just the detail parts I'm going to be able to print and I already have been printing. It was definitely worth it. Yeah. So, okay. The, yeah, yeah. No, I have the any I have an any cubic um, filament printer, and it's it's not not great for detail parts. So um, yeah, it's good for. I, I've heard some something. things about the. <laughs> I've heard some things about the filament printers where the layer height is a little bit uh, less precise. Yeah, yeah, especially an HO or O scale, it's yeah. not it's not great for that. Yeah, you know, if the, you're doing big big parts and plastic parts, it's fine, but. The the nice thing about the 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 resin printers is you can print a thinner layer, so uh, right. I think it's I got I can print down to like point oh two five, so I mean I can get pretty yeah, thin, that's... and uh, when I when I pull them out of my printer like my dad's chandelier he could probably tell you it doesn't you can't see any lines on it for layers no. right so you know it's 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 yeah, a right. it's a learning curve though I won't tell you how many times I've failed to print. Way more than I've successfully printed, but um, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't hurt too bad because the stuff that I'm printing is pretty small, 
So uh, when I fail a, a small print, glob when you're done. Yeah, but when like I glob. fail when I fail a small print, <laughs> when I fail a small print, it's not like I've uh, wasted a lot of resin. So yeah, or hours. Yeah, right. 20, <laughs> 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, well, that didn't work. Let's try it again. So yeah, yeah. I like it. It's a fun thing to toy around with. Uh, I've made a few cool things out of it, and uh, you know, I luckily there's a kid. I I have we have a dental lab where I work. Um, where we do 3D printing with their their 3D printers and 3D resins just for dental stuff. Uh-huh. But there's two guys that I work with that are very very into uh, 3D printing and 3D modeling for um, dental like impressions for teeth and molds and and making making um, crowns and and implants. So they're giving me all these tips because those guys are extremely precise. I mean, you talk about precise 3d printing in the medical yeah, you're industry. talking about people's yeah. mouths well so yeah. just just in the medical industry they're doing yeah. some crazy stuff with that now but yeah you know I, I take what they give me i take the advice they give me with a grain of salt because uh you know they're 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 a little bit extreme with it but they do help me out quite a bit when i have some questions on why things failed so it's a cool it's a cool thing to try yeah yep so and one thing that's nice cool. and i will say this will be my last part for anyone listening too is 3D printing now is actually in the last year has become extremely affordable. And just like with this hobby, there's so many like Reddit groups or Facebook groups that just give you advice on beginners on how to get started. So like if you're have if you have any interest in it, I know a lot of guys don't, but if you have any inter- interest in it and you and you want to learn, uh, kind of like Dave Yell was talking about, like it's it's almost a separate hobby. You need to dedicate time just to learn 3D printing. Um to do it well, but there's plenty of groups out there that'll help you. A lot, a lot, a lot of good information out there about it. So yeah, and get ready to be frustrated. Notice <laughs> I didn't say a single word about the 3D printing thing because I am technologically challenged. Well, it's funny when, I, when I first got. I'm it. the one who just comes up with an idea and says, "Hey, can you print me this? Can you print me that?" You know, that's yeah, about yeah. as far as my 3D printing goes. So, so the one funny thing was. When I first got it, my dad was like, hey, next time I come over, I'd like to see it working. I'd like to see it print when I first got it. And I was like, well, you're going to be standing there staring at it for a while because it prints in like 0.05, layer millime- 0.05 millimeter layer heights. Uh, like it's, it's uh, you're going to be staring at it for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not like a laser printer. <laughs> when the laser printer's going, and you, get, you I can stand there for a day and watch that thing, you know, but... uh yeah, you get you, you can't get hypnotized by this thing. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's uh, that's my fun my fun little side project. <laughs> cool. So, all right. Well, I think we're gonna. This one's at two hours here. I, I appreciate your time tonight, Doug. This was yeah. fun. Just hearing, oh, no. hearing. A, I love this one because it was full of hints and tips and tricks and all kinds of things. Definitely. That's what the people good, love. Good. And, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, I can't wait for things to shake loose here. I can't wait to see you again, uh, in person sometime, hopefully sooner than later. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah things that we'd like to come back up again and visit with you and hang out. So for sure. Yeah. If you're coming up through, yeah. through this summer when it's, when it's warmer, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could do that. Yeah. So, let's we'll have any plans this summer. We just had our fall. <laughs> we just had fall spring right now. It's going to be cold and raw again. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Anyways, 
Cool. Okay. Well, thanks again, Doug. Um, have a great evening. We are going to call this one a wrap. Yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks Doug. Guys.